Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I really love it when we get together as a family and we get to learn together and especially, do you know what day it is today? Pentecost Sunday it is and we're going to learn about that tonight. Um, but essentially Pentecost, um, it was the birth on commissioning of the whole church where the church went beyond the people that had been gathering around Jesus. Um, and it was, it was the time when, um, the first time that's documented when people who hadn't otherwise been gathering with Jesus and seen Jesus face to face got to meet him and they got to meet him on the, um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of the disciples' testimonies, which is really good. So I've included a couple of videos to try and make it um, uh, not too much talking from me and um, hopefully that will be enjoyable to you guys. But I also have some colouring, so if you'd like to come and grab a colouring and take it back and sit with your families... But while you're colouring, just listen in because I know, I mean, my kids always um, have their ears open when, when they're colouring and they often come and talk to me during the week about different things that were shared. So I know that they listen while they colour, which is awesome. So what we're going to do tonight, I thought we'd have just a little bit of a catch up since we're all here together as a family. And I'm wondering um, if anyone with a big, loud voice from Jump might be able to tell everyone what we do when we're in Jump. What do we learn about? Does anyone want to share? Where's Judah? Judah, what do we learn about in Jump? <laughs> Judah, he's always got a story. <laughs> well, in Jump, I'll help you out. In Jump, we are going through the Jesus Storybook Bible, which I have here. And in the Jesus Storybook Bible, it is looking at every story that leads to Jesus, isn't it? It's teaching us that all of the stories in the Bible lead to Jesus and talk about his great rescue mission. And what about the youth? What are you guys learning about? I'm on God's team today. <laughs> You're on God's team today. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> the youth are going through a book, this book, and it's, um, it's talking about God's truth, who they are in God, and it's helping them to recognise some of the um, lies that might go on in their head some of the things that they could believe, which isn't of God, and it's giving them the tools, that, i.e. God's word. It's um, showing them the truth of God's word about themselves so that if those lies come, they're armed with the truth. So we've caught up with what the kids and the youth are doing, but if we go to the next slide, we can see what we've been doing in this room. We've been going through the Jesus Appear series and we've been looking at a number of the different ways that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he'd risen again and before, well, and leading up to Pentecost. So Helen gave a message on Jesus appearing to the disciples and talked about the restoration of Peter, how she healed, um, how he brought healing to Peter and forgiveness. And she also brought a message about when he appeared to the disciples in the lock room um, and in that message, she, oh, it was, that was a great message, um, and she talked about how Jesus breathed the breath of new creation into the disciples and commissioned them for, for the mission. And Jonathan talked about the road to Emmaus and how God opened the eyes of two disciples who were walking along that road, um, and then they 
went and shared their testimony about meeting, meeting Jesus and all that Jesus had spoken to, him, to them about. Dan gave us a message, quite a challenging message, which was great on the Great Commission. And Helen talked to us again last week about um, Thomas and about having a fa- the faith for things unseen and being um, brave to share our testimony, not being ashamed of the gospel. So what happens when we meet Jesus? When we meet Jesus, there's restoration, new creation, our eyes are open, we have faith to believe in things unseen and we're commissioned. And Jesus impressed on all of his disciples, including us, which includes us, the urgency to share the good news. So you would think at this point the disciples had had everything they need to continue the mission with Jesus, but he told them to wait. So I'm going to read from the start of Acts, the first chapter of Acts, just to sort of set the scene. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything. Which was the first book, by the way? Who's writing? Luke. So Luke wrote two books. He wrote the book of Luke, which is all about the works of Jesus done through the Holy Spirit. And he wrote the book of Acts, which is all about the works of Jesus done through the Holy Spirit in partnership with the disciples and the apostles. In my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptised with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So this kind of sums up what we've been talking about in the Jesus Appears series. And now we're at Pentecost. So I'll read the passage for today and then we'll watch a video. So we'll just go to the next slide. Thank you. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So I'll just pause for a moment. This was 10 days after Jesus ascended. So Jesus said, don't go and start doing all of that I've told you to do. Wait, wait until... God spends the Holy Spirit. So they had to wait. And they didn't know how long it was going to be. It was 10 days of waiting. I find um, (laughs) that's a long time to to be patient and to wait and to... What do you think they were doing in that time? They were staying um, together and they were praying, come Holy Spirit, Father, send your Holy Spirit, send the gift. When Geordie and Ryan went away on holidays, after about 10 days, our family was like, they've been gone for ages. When, when are they coming back? And like that, that's what it would have been like. Jesus had, had, had gone. He'd, he'd come and had done all of these wonderful things and he told them to wait. And, but that would have, would have been a, a hurting time too in some ways. But then they would have been really, really excited because they, um, they had seen all that Jesus had done and they, had, and they fully believed and understood that Satan had been defeated and that Jesus was calling them to continue the works that he had done. And then a crazy windstorm happened in the room and they got flames on their heads 
and they started talking in languages that they don't understand, and that's all pretty crazy. And they had that this hadn't they hadn't experienced this before. Mind you, they would have had inklings with thunder and windstorm and fire because they will have known their um, their Hebrew Bible. They will have kind of understood the imagery from the from the Old Testament. Anyway, we'll continue continue with the passage. So from verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation. Devout Jews means that really committed, like we, we, would call, we would call us devout Christians, really committed to learning about Jesus and to worshipping him. There were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard a loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the unbelievers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These are people all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and the province of Asia. Phrygia is the only one that I don't really know how to pronounce. Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya and around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. And all... And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Now, tongues is a special language that the Holy Spirit gives that enables um, a person to pray to God even when they don't know what to say. But it lets you pray, it lets you talk to God. And so the disciples, the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples and they just started worshipping God in this language they didn't understand. But as it happened... It was languages that people who um, were Jews but didn't grow up in Jerusalem, they could understand in their own language what the disciples were saying. Others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this, these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. How long ago, Dan? 708 years? 708 years, Joel said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your son and sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. Before that day and the glorious day of the Lord <laughs> arrives. Sorry. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's pretty big. I think if I am honest, I think I sometimes read through that really, really quickly and don't really take it all in. But when you read it and stop and think about it, it's massive. Let's pause for a moment and watch a video. His life, death, and resurrection was written by a man named Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke, but Luke continued the story in a second volume called the Book of Acts. And it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. 
Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a roadmap for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival it's during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. But that was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus's body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. Caleb, to help, help me with the next video so it doesn't end quite so abruptly. <laughs> thousands started following Jesus. It makes a bit more sense now why Jesus told his followers to wait. When he, when he ascended or after he said to wait, they started saying to him, Lord, is it the time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, it's not for you to know the periods of times or, or appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. So often we try and do things in our own strength, but what happens when we partner with God and we wait obediently for his timing? What we see that happened here is that at God's appointed time, God brought the people, God gave them the, the words in a way that everybody could understand. God opened Peter's eyes to understand that this was fulfilling a prophecy from 708 years ago. And God gave Peter the boldness to explain that to everybody around and God met in the hearts of 3,000 people and their lives were changed. So the disciples could have gone and started preaching to the local Jews just after Jesus ascended. But the multiplication that happens when, we, um, when the, the Holy Spirit empowers us and it's done in partnership with God is just, it's mind-blowing. One meeting impacted 
so many nations, as they went back, we saw, um, I mean, the imagery in the Bible Project videos is amazing, but you saw um, as all of those Jews went back to their home towns, um, God's work was just multiplied amazingly. There were three times a year when the Jews from all over the region would come back to Jerusalem and praise God. They were related to the agricultural calendar, but they were also linked into the religious calendar. And at Pentecost, they were praising God for the harvest, but also um, celebrating um, God giving Moses the law. We might think of the law as, as boring, but for the people of Israel, the law was precious because it was about relationship. The law taught them how to be a people who follow God. And with the law came the tabernacle and the, the, or the temple, which provided a place for God and humanity to meet. And we saw in this video that what was happening at Pentecost was that that sacred temple space was now available for everybody. Everybody, there is a place, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, there is a place, become a place where heaven and earth overlap. And I don't think that we, I don't think that I fully appreciate this most of the time. There's a couple of um, passages in the Old Testament that came to mind as I was preparing. In Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, God said, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. There's baptism in water and baptism in fire in this passage. And in, in Jeremiah, God, God said, But this is a new covenant that I'll make with the people of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And as we heard in the passage, he told Joel that he was going to pour out his spirit on all people, young and old, men and women, all people, Jews and Gentiles. Pentecost is the birth of the whole church. God took Jesus' ministry that had started in Israel. He spread it to the Jews and the surrounding nations. And then Paul and others come along and, um, and partner with God and see the Gentiles saved. And that's us, most of us. I don't know everybody's heritage. It's pretty big. I think we, we take it for granted because we get to read it and we've got the benefit of hindsight, but it's, it's big. So who is the Holy Spirit? Asher, is the Holy Spirit an it? Who, what's the Holy Spirit? One of God's three. That's right. Yep. Yep. Did they say it in this passage, God's personal presence? Sorry, in that video that we just watched? Or maybe I'm giving away what's in the video to come. No, that was perfect, Asher. He is. Jesus said in John 14, I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend. I love that. Another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth and he will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things that I've told you. For some, for, well, this, I'll just speak on behalf of me. Sometimes I can get who God is and I can get who Jesus is because Jesus came as a man. But the Holy Spirit's a bit of a mystery sometimes. 
But actually, the Holy Spirit, we should be able to get to know him the easiest because he's with us all the time and he's talking to us all the time. <laughs> but I, don't, I think that a lot of the time I'm not really paying attention. Let's pause and watch another video. Where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, Ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. There was even a little bit of a fade out at the end on that one. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I think the Holy Spirit has certainly empowered the guys at the Bible Project with his creative wisdom in pulling together those videos. 
And I think that the Holy Spirit might want to do a bit of that tonight too, release some of that creative um, energy. As you continue to read Acts, you see that the Holy Spirit empowered the, the apostles to continue in all of the things that Jesus did. He empowered them to um, bring healing through the Holy Spirit and to bring salvation through the Holy Spirit and to bring freedom from oppression. Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. And again, I think for me, I had a bit of a revelation last year. Um, I, I think we can fall into thinking about Jesus and his ministry on earth and say to ourselves, well, of course Jesus could do it. Jesus is God. How could Jesus know the thoughts of others? Well, because Jesus is God. How could Jesus resist temptation and live without sin? Well, Jesus is God. How could Jesus perform miracles? Or how could Jesus forgive his enemies while being tortured on the cross? Because he was God. Jesus was fully God. But in Philippians, Paul, in Philippians 2, Paul explained that he didn't use his equality with God to his advantage, but he humbled himself to be made in human likeness. In Hebrews um, 2.17, it says that he had to be made fully human in every way to fulfil his message, mission. Even Jesus himself said it. He said in, in John 5.19 that the son can do nothing by himself. He said he watches the father and he did that through the Holy Spirit. The encouraging thing in that passage in, in um, verse 20 is the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. I love that verse. So Jesus accomplished his messianic mission and his life example through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptised, God affirmed his sonship and, and the Holy Spirit came and rested on him. God didn't just send Jesus. God sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit like his two hands. The Son was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit and then the Spirit is poured out by the risen Lord. And if you pay attention when you're reading the Gospels, I think um, I, I went through <laughs> and um, took note of each time the Spirit was mentioned. You can see that the Spirit um, enabled the conception of Jesus or the birth of Jesus um, the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit then led Jesus out into the wilderness and sustained him through the temptation. And then Jesus came, the Spirit led him back and the scroll was open, and the, which said, the Spirit of the Lord is, is on me and he has appointed me to preach good news, Spirit enabled, to bring healing, Spirit enabled, to cast out demons, to bring freedom. It's just, yeah. Jesus was born and then equipped by the Holy Spirit. And then in Helen's message a couple of weeks ago, we, we heard that Jesus breathed into his disciples and Helen talked about that being the breath of new creation. But then, they, but then the Holy Spirit descended on them at Pentecost. And so it is for every other Christian we have. When we accept Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, but there's a secondary equipping available that enables us to do everything that God has for us. Can we move to the next slide? Does anyone know who these guys are? Dr. Seuss, the Sneetches. These are the Sneetches. I, I can remember. I think I can remember most of that story by heart, but I probably go blank right now, and it's not relevant completely. The Sneetches wanted to know, know who were the best kind of Sneetches on the beaches, and they would argue about because some of them had stars on their bellies and some of them had bellies without stars, and they would argue about who were the best Sneetches. It's a very silly story. Um, and 
over time, I've lost my spot. Over time, um, here we go, I need to turn the page and I'll know where I'm up to. There has been a lot of hurt in the church um, about people arguing over who's been baptised in the Holy Spirit and when it happens. The Sneetches eventually worked worked it out and I think that the church is getting there also. I've bought um, a book that talks about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of John Wimber. And he said, it's a simple fact. God has a work of conversion. God has a work of empowerment. It can occur simultaneously, which means at the same time, or it can occur sequentially, which means one following the other. It can occur with a long intermission in between or it can occur in a short period of time. But the bottom line is that it needs to occur. It is the infilling and empowering of the church and we need it in order to accommodate the work of God. Conversion is truly a baptism in the Holy Spirit and there's no reason that we can't use baptism also to refer to fillings, subsequent fillings of the Spirit. And I do, says John Wimber. I have another prop with me. Oop, oop, oop. I need to wait for it to settle. Paddy Putman uses this example in, in one of his books, Kingdom Impact. He says that the Holy Spirit is a bit like the snow in a snow globe. It's there, but at the moment you can't see it. And it's like that the Holy Spirit's inside of every Christian. Sometimes it settles a little bit, but when you give it a shake, this is like the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And the snow then in, encompasses the entire space within that snow globe. And that's what it's like when we get a, a filling or a subs, you know, another filling or another filling of the Holy Spirit. It's just um, is a moment in time when the Holy Spirit interacts with all of us and we become really attuned and aware of his presence and his enabling presence to do everything that God's called us to do. And there often is a physical experience when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it could be speaking in tongues or it could be a different type of prophetic word or it could be just an overwhelming exuberant joy. Some people's bodies shake or get really hot. When I feel the Holy Spirit, I feel a feeling that's, um, it's not goosebumps, but it's kind of similar to goosebumps. It's just like these waves. And what's, um, there was a conference a couple of years ago, one of the venue conferences in 2019, and um, one of the people who spoke just said, are you aware of the feeling when the Holy Spirit comes on you? And I thought, oh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden I had this feeling, oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that feeling. And as I have become even more familiar with that feeling, it just gives me a confidence to know that he's there. So if I'm praying for someone and a verse comes into my mind, often it's accompanied with that feeling. And I'm like, oh, that, I think that verse is significant. And I still would say, I think this is what God is saying. It doesn't make, give me so much confidence that I'll say, thus saith the Lord, that's not what we do here. We... Um, you know, leave space for human error. But, but then sometimes I feel it just during the week. Um, and, yeah, does anybody want to share what the Holy Spirit feels like to them? What was that? Electricity. Electricity. Sometimes it's so overwhelming that our body moves. We've seen a bit of that in the last couple of weeks, I think. Liquid love, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
your legs go wobbly <laughs> or they move, yeah. Paddy also says in his book, which I found really encouraging, that rather than get caught up in whether it's happened or what it looks like, um, I think it's just important, he, th he says, I think it's just important that we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us because quite often we walk through life and it's all settled and we're not seeking interaction with him or seeking, yeah, that interaction with our entire being. It's possible for it to, um, to happen multiple times and there's examples of that in the Bible. Paul says in Ephesians 5 to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think at this point it's good for me to stop talking and that we should spend some time just asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, to come and equip us for all that he wants us to do. Because the heart of um, everything that we've been learning in the, in the last couple of weeks is just is a reminder that Jesus is calling us to share his good news, but he's calling us not to do it in our own strength. He's calling us to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we um, stand and... And we might just spend a little bit of time waiting for the Holy Spirit. During the week, I sensed that there was an invitation for Holy Spirit creative empowerment. And so I just might pray about that if there's, if you want to, if you want to say yes to that, feel free to raise your hand or to open your hands up and in, to a receiving posture. Holy Spirit, I pray that you impart your creative presence into people right now. Thank you, Lord, that you have commissioned everybody here for a purpose. And I pray that your Holy Spirit bring enabling power and equipping power to do everything that you call them to do. Holy Spirit, I pray for your joy and that you reignite desires in people's hearts for things that you've promised them. Thank you, Jesus, for your timing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your timing, as we've seen that your timing is perfect. So as, we're, as these dreams are being reignited, Lord, I just pray for a sense of peace about waiting for your timing too.